Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now a bunch of news updates. I'm Alex. And this is Hot Off the Presses. I'm Justin. <laughs> and if you've got any tips or stories you want us to cover here on the podcast, feel free to email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com or hit us up anywhere socially at Marvel Vision Pod. But let's kick it off with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Ooh, movie. First, it's a movie. First and foremost, we got to get that out of the way. Second, We're a news organization here. <laughs> we have to st- tell people the stories. We're storytellers at the end of the day. Yeah. Once upon a time, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was a movie. The end. Beautiful. Beautifully told. And now to be continued with the first reactions and reviews are in the world premiere screening happened just the other day. Now, just to loop back to a little something that we mentioned previously, we'd kind of given Marvel, you know, we're we're big on giving Marvel it ultimatums and they always listen to us. Surprisingly, yeah. though. Uh, we talked a little bit about how they sort of had a drop-dead date for the Guardians uh, carpet to say something about the Jonathan Major situation. Yes. Guess what? They did it. <laughs> they, as far as I can tell, and, you know, granted, I haven't watched every single video, but it seems like what Kevin Feige in particular did was he walked for photos, he chatted with people, talked to the official Marvel live stream, and that was it. That was the whole thing. Maybe he did that thing where he walked up and sort of smiled, but said quietly behind his teeth, like, don't ask me about anything <laughs> controversial, okay? You... Like a ventriloquist dummy. Mm-hmm. Van- ventriloquist with a dummy. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's certainly what the situation is like. Regardless, there are no updates about that, but there are plenty of updates about people's reaction to the movie. Now, as always... You're going to have your own reaction. The audience is going to have their own reaction as well. But at least initially, as of this taping, it has 82% on Rotten Tomatoes with 92 reviews over on Metacritic. It's a 68 with 37 reviews. The tweets... And the social reactions seem to be pretty overwhelmingly positive. I don't know if you look through any of this stuff and you have any general thoughts reading the tea leaves of what people actually think of the movie. I'm trying not to read a ton of that stuff, but it does feel like people like it's a good movie. Like mm-hmm. 82% on Rotten Tomatoes for a, a Marvel movie uh, is pretty good, I think. Like that means it's probably a good movie. Um, and that's, you know, we, there's sure there's a lot of people out there who want to yuck someone else's yum, the yum yuckers, mm-hmm. and they're going to say what they say. Yeah, I reading between it, I, I think the general reaction that I've seen is that people feel like it's very emotional. They laughed a lot. They it is all- interesting to me that the, the lead comment is like so emotional. Yeah, that's a, that's strange to me. Well, but that's what James Gunn talked about a lot. He said he was yeah. crying when he was writing the script. He's really tried to make this a big goodbye, at least not to the Guardians franchise, but this iteration of the Guardians. Uh, this gets into a second thing that we were going to mention. Zoe Sadata in an article over The Hollywood Reporter, they did this deep dive into how James Gunn was fired off of Guardians 3, how they yeah. got him back on that whole saga. It's a really good read and really interesting, even if it starts off with Six paragraphs of Chris Pratt praying for <laughs> James Gunn's immortal soul or whatever. I don't know. They start off with a very long thing about that. I but, love that. Yeah. Once you skip past that part, it's pretty good and interesting and definitely dives into that stuff. But so Sultana said she's retiring from Gamora after this movie. She's not going to play Gamora anymore. I believe Dave Bautista also said, no, that's it for me and Drax. I'm good after this movie. So this is definitely this is it for this iteration of the Guardians. I think without getting into spoilers too much, 
the things that people were surprised by about the movie were one that it doesn't feel like this epic goodbye. It's not the universe shaking thing you might expect. It seems like it's a quieter, slightly smaller mission for the guardians to go on. And also that it doesn't 100% wrap things up. You know, they all go out Thelma Louise style or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, again, I haven't looked at the spoilers necessarily. They but... don't do the classic Toy Story 3 ride into a, <laughs> oh a burning toy pit, toy lava <laughs> hole. I mean, I would not be surprised if that happened at some point. But regardless, I think that's what people were generally surprised by. The other thing that was a little bit of a bummer for me is there were a lot of folks that came out and said, hey, this is not for kids. This is too scary. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of animal cruelty and torture going on here. It's very serious at points and very adult. Um, I told my eight-year-old this. I was like, hey, this is the reaction of people. And he just sort of slumped back in his chair and slowly disappeared under the table. (laughs) And was like, could you see it first? And I was like, sure. I guess I'll see Guardians of the Galaxy 3 two times in three days or something. But. That's what it is to be a dad. It's to see a, a superhero movie once alone <laughs> yep. and then a second time with child. Uh, what a delight. What a brave uh, salute. <laughs> Father's Day came early to Alexander Zalvin. <laughs> uh, so there you go. I'm curious to check it out. I'm glad it's positive. Last little thing that I'll say about it, which we talked about here on the podcast as well. But now that we see a little bit of the reaction... I think I know your take, but I'm going to throw it out to you anyway. Given that there seems generally a good reaction here, it's probably going to do solidly at the box office. It'll probably have legs as people say goodbye to these characters that they really love. If this is a win in any sense of the word, is that hooray, Marvel is back? Or is it hooray, what a great James Gunn movie, good news for the DCU, dot, dot, dot on Marvel? Um, I think uh, the way people react to everything is much more the former uh, than the latter. I think it's going to be like Marvel's back, baby. But I'll, you got to remember, our brains are broken because Marvel had an unprecedented like string of successes without a single sort of mistake or true bomb. Like I think Ant Man is like they find they've messed up their franchise dead. It's like they're like twenty movies in that had a movie that <laughs> didn't do very well. Uh, so like I think everyone will go back to the narrative of like. Perfect. We're back on board. Let's go. More Marvel. Give me Marvels. And that is, I think, um, a little bit more of a riskier play. This is like the safest possible movie that could come out right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I lead a little more in the other direction, I think, because they are selling it as a James Gunn movie. A, it's good news for the DCU. People will look at that and be like, great, can't wait to see his Superman. Um, but I also think the goalposts are going to kind of keep moving. Like, Secret Invasion is next. If that's good, people will be like, all right, but that was just a TV show. Let's see what happens with the Marvels. And if the Marvels does well, maybe they'll be like, okay, you got two. Keep showing it to me. But I don't know. That's maybe that's me being cynical. It well, is yeah, being cynical. It is. It is you being <laughs> yeah. cynical. And you know, there's some truth to what you're saying. But it's just funny the way that we like have movie punditry, and we're all also telling our big business insider, like, you know, we're and we can be critical of ourselves here. Like, we're a little bit closer to the business in our uh, personal jobs, but like. We're not around like, but and mm-hmm. someone who lives in like a small town in upstate New York is like, well, I think Kevin Feige made a huge misstep recently. It's like, what are you talking about? You don't like, <laughs> <laughs> like you don't think, think that about any other business or any other thing, but we all like are caught up in the, the media cycle of it. So that's all to say back in the day, I don't think people are like this Indiana Jones spells doom. 
the Temple of Doom for the next franchise winner or whatever. Well, I also think the other thing, just to continue this conversation before we move on to something else, is people like to create narratives off of not enough data. You know, like the, the like you were saying with the Ant-Man and the Wasp thing, granted, I think you could extend that into how people felt about the entirety of phase four. So I do think there's a little more data there, but a lot of people were focusing on exactly what you're saying. Ooh, at of the wasp looked like shit. People didn't like it. It uh, did poorly quote unquote at the box office only made 400 to $500 billion. That's it for Marvel versus looking at the whole history of it and what the actual narrative of the thing is. We like to focus very much on the one thing that is happening right now, at least when it comes to punditry. So, yeah, there you go. Speaking of which, let's be pundits on a bunch of other topics. True Detectives Nick Pizzolatto has been hired to write Blade reportedly. This reteams him, first of all, with season three star Mahershala Ali. Mm, Yes. Very exciting. Uh, also, he is working off of the previous script, which makes a lot of sense because I looked at the timeline and apparently they're looking to start production next month. So he's Yankees. doing a fresh script. Seems a little worrisome. Instead, what he's doing is he's taking the previous script. He's apparently been working on it for a little while and he's probably just doing punch ups more than anything. I mean, and this this happens a lot. It's interesting that such a high profile writer would be brought in publicly. I think they do that you know, off the books a lot, but um, to bring in someone like him and make that a story or let that get out feels a little crazy. So like, I, I don't think everyone needs to panic that this movie's going to be bad. But having said that, Nick Pizzolatto, maybe not mm-hmm. the crush, crush writer that you want the fixer who's going to come in and do it. Cause I think he's going at least lately in the opposite direction as far as cohesive storytelling and just like really getting a narrative. Well, and he's also, and mind you, I'm only basing this off of a couple of different things, the seasons of True Detective, but he's a writer who clearly needs time. Like, he needs time to work on something, so having him, like you're saying, come in as a last-minute fixer seems like the opposite of what they should have done. They get him to write the first draft, and then they get a fixer-type person to come in and smooth out his draft. But right. I don't know. Yeah. But like they, they have the previous movie script as a source, just mm-hmm. like some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill. What do we, it's there guys. Just yeah. copy paste. What it, was like, to it was like 30 years ago. Just throw a reference to Captain America in being on the moon or whatever. And you're good to go. It's easy. Bring in Steven Dorf. Writing is, is easy. Well, speaking yeah. of Stephen Dorff, though, I thought this was very funny. So uh, True Detective Season 3 was Mahershal Ali, Stephen Dorff, written by Nick Pizzolatto. Stephen Dorff, <coughs> famously in the first Blade movie with Wesley Snipes. Apparently, he's been shitted on this Blade reboot left and right. So I don't think he's coming back for this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I was, I'm kidding, but like, I don't think they really want to touch any of that earlier <laughs> stuff. I think the, I think people like the Blade movies, but for whatever reason, everyone looks at them like that's that's dumb. That stuff mm-hmm. was dumb back then. Well, the, Blade, for, the think, first Blade movie, I think, holds up. Yeah, well, and just to throw it out there, like as we're talking about cohesive history here, the Blade movies, I think, in a very interesting way. People for a while were calling out Spider-Man, X-Men. That's the one that revamped the whole superhero in movies thing. And it took probably a good decade for other people to say, 
hey, no, wait, Blade was first. Blade actually yeah. did that first. You are, once again, co-opting black people, built something up creatively, and then the white people came in and took it over. Let's not destroy this narrative. So I do want to be very clear that whatever you think about the Blade movies, I think that will that trilogy, or at least two of the three of the trilogy, was trilogy. Yeah, trilogy, if you will, was instrumental in revamping and giving us the modern age of superhero movies. Uh, definitely, and you, uh, that's a movie that might be worth a rewatch podcast to go back mm-hmm. and be like, let's go look at the roots of this because I think that's where you see like, oh, we can make sort of a genre swing here and a superhero movie and have it really work and yeah. and make bigger choices and have like an actor come in and like make huge choices with a character and have it be like, yeah, we're on board with this. It's yeah. a superhero. So, and hopefully, I, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens, but if blade kicked off the modern age of superhero movies, so hopefully this new blade will end it and we'll all, it'll all be over. We can all go back to our reading books. Finally. <laughs> Here's the opposite of books. Patty Lapone, still your number one source for news about Agatha Coven of Chaos and all things Marvel. Talked to the Hollywood Reporter, and during the interview, she revealed that basically Agatha Coven Chaos is a full-on musical, it sounds like. The quote that she said specifically is, our lead singer is Catherine, meaning Catherine Hahn. I'm singing backup, and the songs have been written by Kristen and Bobby Lopez, who did the songs for WandaVision as well. Yeah. Uh, that sounds great. I, I love it. It does sound great. <laughs> It sounds, though, insane that this is A, being made, B, what is the overarching plot here? Like, in the great tapestry of Marvel, is this, like, the weird patch over in the corner? Or is this a more central piece that they're going to sort of bring the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe through? I I hope it's the former, honestly. The more I hear about the show, the wilder it sounds. And the idea of having... Nobody, you know, you, going back, we're talking a lot about history of this podcast, but going back 10 years ago, if I was like, hey, they're going to have a musical Agatha Harkness TV show, what do you think about that? You'd be like, what are you talking about? Get out of here, you crazy time traveler. Also, what are your stock tips? Yeah, but, I'd be like, clearly you went to the future, got hit in the head with a shovel, and then the time machine <laughs> took you right back to this moment, because that's not... Def- how could that be possible? But that Agatha I, I Harkness that. is the like, lead of a TV show. But I, I love that. Like, I love... WandaVision is the high watermark, I would argue, at this point for the Disney Plus shows. So to give us something that is wildly creative in an entirely different way, I'm 100% on board with that. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Yeah, me too. And like, like to your point, like everything about it, um, it seems like more fun and more of a, like, if they nail it, this will be like a huge banger of a, of a TV show. Yeah. Let's move over to CinemaCon. Now, we talked about this last week on the podcast. This is the big convention where cinema owners get shown off movies that are coming out over the next year or so to really hype them up and sell them on the product. Disney had a Disney and Marvel in particular had a a very muted presence, I thought, which was kind of surprising. Uh, We'll talk about some across the Spider-Verse stuff in a second. They showed up 14 minutes of footage of that. They also talked. I I think they showed off a scene from Guardians during the Disney presentation. But the big thing that they talked about uh, that made the biggest splash was Craven the Hunter. Mm. They brought footage to CinemaCon. They showed off a trailer, which hasn't uh, been put online yet. It's going to show up in a couple of months once they clear the rights and finish editing it and whatever. Uh, But the big thing is that Aaron Taylor Johnson, who plays Craven the Hunter, was like, it's going to be R-rated, baby. Uh, Or more specifically, he said it has an R-rating. 
Uh, I'm going to put on my jerk nerd hat for a second about this, if that's all right. Oh, I, I love that hat. You wear it a lot. I mean, I never take it off, baby. Especially on the weekends. <laughs> yes. Uh, nothing is rated anything until it's put before the Motion Picture Association no. of America. It's not. This drives me insane. It, it drives me nuts when people are like, it has an R rating. And then you see all these headlines. They're like, Craven the Hunter has an R rating. It does not have an R rating. They are aiming for an R rating. They are making it bloody and violent and enough curse words to try to get an R rating. But until you submit it before the Motion Picture, the MPAA, it doesn't get a rating. Wow, this is a very particular lane for our criticism on the show today. <laughs> it's like, well, here's the thing with this movie. They haven't satisfied the necessary um, timestamp to really technically have the R rating. Wouldn't, Headline. Wouldn't people appreciate that more if Aaron Taylor Johnson came out into the audience of cinema goers and he was like, guys, we are aiming for an R rating. And the crowd goes nuts. But here's the thing. Just yeah. saying we have an R rating is lame. It's even lamer to be like, we're really trying to get an R rating. It's like, yeah. I'm going to go uh, smoke a cigarette behind the school if anyone wants to come watch. It feels very <laughs> like it's a little bit, you know, little brother energy. And I think all these movies have that. So I think it sort of tracks. But it's like being like, hey, um, our brunch today, it's going to have an R rating. <laughs> like we're going to go swear a little bit and I'm going to really massacre this French toast. I mean, a lot of fans get very excited about this, right? Because they want to see a hardcore, intense, super violent, super bloody superhero movie. Personally, I don't care. Just yeah. give me a good movie. That's what I want. I, I don't care what the rating is. Yeah, agreed. And I think these, all these movies have a little bit of like, they're the B movies of the superhero universe. They're the little like... And not to say that's necessarily yeah, when you say a negative. B movie, thing. You mean the movie with Jerry Seinfeld? Jerry right? Seinfeld, yeah. yeah it's sort of like all, yeah. all like sort of a huge mistake that um, one of our our fine our comedians at this peak of his uh, skill and talent would be making. That's what this is. Um, Craven is our our B. No, it's it, they're like the schlocky uh, mm-hmm. sort of a little bit like not as great weekend matinee fair where you go you're like ah, this movie was cool back in the day that's less of a thing now but so i think as long as they keep occupying that and make these movies that are like a little bloodier a little more violent a little weirder a little yes lamer not as well made i think that's a good lane for them it's like what the old universal marvel uh, universal uh, monster movies used to be mm-hmm. that's what they're because they, they universal can't pull that off for whatever reason but yeah. Yeah, Sony not film. every movie has to be the biggest movie of all time. Sometimes it could be just a movie where you watch it and go, well, that was fun. That was it. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I'll mention, which is it ties right into what we're saying, in the footage, reportedly the rhino is the villain of the movie, but it's not the rhino we know from the comic books. It's a guy who turns into a giant rhinoceros man, which, cool. That's <laughs> cool. I'm fine with that. Well, that makes sense. You know, hunter, yeah, gotta uh-huh. be an animal. Is he going to kill him then? Is he going to like slice off this dude's horn? Is that what's going to happen in the movie? I don't think, I don't know if you want the hair of your movie to be a straight up poacher. (laughs) (laughs) How do you do that He's Craven the Hunter. What else is he doing? Is he an ethical hunter? Well, getting like, back to I only kill bad elephants. What would they, <laughs> wow. That would be hard to do because you yeah. really got to get to know. He's the, like the Punisher the, of the animal world. He tracks oh, down animal criminals and uh, just slays, straight up slaughters them. All right, squirrel. I saw what you did. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> the that Well, that's the thing. Is like Craven the Hunter is like 
in the comics is a villain, like a straight mm-hmm. up, like occasionally in the comics used to some uh, side of Spider-Man, some good or like just not the worst thing. But as a protagonist for a movie, like, I don't know what, how are we going to be on his side? I don't know, man. Uh, well, good for Aaron Taylor Johnson. He keeps trying the comic book thing. We'll see if it works this time. He, I guess it worked for Kick-Ass. Didn't really work out for Quicksilver. Maybe this will be the third time it's a charm. That's his spirit. I got to kill this bull that's in the <laughs> China shop wrecking all these pretty, pretty plates. I'm Craven uh, the Hunter. Another little bit of news that came out of CinemaCon. So across the Spider-Verse, as we mentioned, showed off some footage. They plugged uh, that there's a bunch of cameos, voice cameos that are going to be in the movie that we don't know about yet. And then very quickly on the Lonely Island Instagram, they posted that Andy Samberg and Yorma Tacone are both doing voices in the movie. I don't think this is a spoiler necessarily, but they tease that there's a great voice actor for Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley, and reportedly it is Andy Samberg putting those two pieces of news together. So cool. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know why you would hide that or build that up as an awesome thing. But Well, it's just weird to be like, we got a huge story for you. And then it's like, they're going to be in the movie. And then it's like, oh, they're just playing one of the other spider people. Okay. That <laughs> sort of track. I mean, the, this whole movie is cameo forward. It's like, yeah. this, the whole thing is the cameo. So it's like, of course, it's going to get crazy. Is there a spider person you really want to see in a sc- across the Spider-Verse? Something that would make you lose your mind if they did? I don't, I don't know. They're not not necessarily. The one that is a, obviously a main character, Spider-Man 2099, is one of my favorite mm-hmm. comic books. And so that's obviously going to be a huge part of it. So that was the one. All the other even weirder like stuff from, from the comics and the Spider-Verse stuff there. I've never really gotten in on one or, one or more of those. What about you? Uh, I don't think I'd lose my mind over it, but I thought it was very fun to see Baghead Spider-Man in here. That is just as like a alternate uh, for anybody who doesn't know. This is a trick that Johnny Storm plays on Spider-Man when his costume gets destroyed. He's like, no problem. I got you, buddy. Here's a costume for you. And he gives him a Fantastic Four costume, but no mask. And he says, oh, here's a paper bag for your head. So Spider-Man has to swing through town wearing this paper bag and Fantastic Four costume. Very fun. Very stupid. And then it's just become this variant Spider-Man over time. The other one that I would love to see that I kind of feel like they're probably going to do is Spiders Man, which is the Spider-Man mm. who is entirely made out of spiders but is pretending to be human. And it's just this I think it was created by Christos Gage, if I remember, uh, in one of the Spider-Verse things that happened. And he, his whole bit is like, what? No, I'm not spiders. I'm a regular Spider-Man like you. And it's very funny. That's that's fun. That's funny. Great joke. I mean, that's the first movie did all of that. Did so much of that. The fact that we're now in a sequel where they have to do like, well, let's look up any like mm-hmm. find control F spider in everything, and they're like, that's it. That's in. Put it in. Yeah, it's in the movie. It's like that uh, Key and Peele Gremlins two sketch. You like that? It's in the movie. There we go. Uh, Kristen Ritter <laughs> would like to return as Jessica Jones. She talked about this on the Inside You podcast, is I think the name of it. Uh, her uh-huh. exact quote was, "I have no idea. I hope so. I think the people love Jessica. I know it because I live it. Honestly, I don't know. Marvel, they're so secretive. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there that, of course, I would be there in a second. I have my boots and jacket on, ready to rock." Yeah, I feel like this is this is a wild leap here, but just based on 
the way previous people have talked about this, I feel like she does know and does know she's coming back and they've already had talks about it. That's my take really? on it. Yeah. Why? What about that quote? The All the I don't knows? Yeah. It seems like a lot of stabbering, honestly. And generally well, speaking, when somebody is directly confronted with that, this is exactly what they're saying. Be like, well, that would be great. I have no idea. I also think the, the other, because maybe you're right. That would be cool. I like uh, her and I like Jessica Jones. The other way to take it is being like, um, I would love a job and <laughs> this job would be cool. Uh-huh. It's like if someone came up to me and was like, "What's you worked at Burger King in high school. Um, would you like to go back and, and portray your role as Burger King? It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, do I have another job right now? Do I need to go back to that job? Yeah, I would, I'd be ready to rock with my uh, T-shirt and little visor on. Well, I just feel like, though, with the whole Kingpin coming back, Daredevil coming back, then bringing back a couple of other characters from Born Again and looping them into the MCU, not even, I mean, maybe she doesn't know, but it seems impossible to me that Marvel hasn't put floaters out to all of the Netflix stars or most of the Netflix stars, agents mm-hmm. or managers. Yeah, I mean, sorry, Finn Jones, uh, but probably floaters out to most of them being like, hey, we're not saying anything, just checking on availability and interest. That's all. Like, if they want to throw them into the mix. But I think, why would you want to go back and bring all of those Netflix show characters back? Like, it feels, you want to bring back the fan favorites, which I do think Jessica Jones is. So, right. there, and again, there's a lot of real estate in this Daredevil show. 18 eps. Like, you mm-hmm. can squeeze, you, I could see her popping by for an episode, potentially. But I don't know, I don't, I wouldn't want if I were them to open up this whole pocket of the Marvel universe again, because it's something that I don't think they love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, Last but not least, let's move it over to wild rumor patrol following up with the fantastic four rumors from last week. So we talked a little bit about how Mila Kunis might be up for Sue Storm. The latest rumor is she's not up for Sue Storm in Fantastic Four. She's up for the thing, the part of the thing. And in particular, what Mm. this rumor monger said was that they are looking for Jewish folks to play the thing. Sounds great to me, but they're looking at both men and women. That said, it's not a done deal. It's just something they're exploring. What do you think about this? That feels straight up insane. I don't think (laughs) if that's, I mean, if they go to do something like that and it's like a justified choice, like, okay, cool. But that just seems like wild. Well, there is there is a she thing in the comics, like she yeah. plays into multiple arcs, has her own character and everything. So it's not insanely out of the realm of possibility. But I'll throw one other wild rumor that came out this week is that Antonio Banderas is rumored to play Galactus or be in mm-hmm. talks for Galactus. So this is starting to feel to me. All of this stuff might be fake. That's why we're putting it under rumor patrol. But yeah. the this idea, is rumor patrol guys, this yeah, is where we cut rumor, a little loose. Yeah, rumor it'll patrol. get a little wild. We're very locked up with our news. The rest of this podcast buttoned up, and well, of course, we are always on patrol. So mm-hmm. if you see us on the street with like a rumor, <laughs> rumor baseball bat, we're on patrol. Yeah, the if if they do the fantastic forecast list, that they're like, guys, great news. We got Adam Driver as Reed Richards. We've got I don't know whoever Jody Cober as Sue Storm. Mm. We've got uh, the guy from Outer Banks as Johnny Storm. Mila Kunis is the thing. Antonio Banderas is Galactus. That is starting to feel to me like we've gone back to the nineties. That's you exactly know? what I was going to say. Yeah, it feels like back when they were like, all right, we cast X Men. 
here's a bunch of random names that sort of <laughs> look like the people that we think. It doesn't. There's no thought behind it, seemingly. Yeah, which is worrisome if they go in that direction because we've already had multiple tries at Fantastic Four. None of them have worked. This is the one thing that I'm like, please just play it safe. Like, just just give us give us. The, we want to see the Fantastic Four. We don't want to see like. Okay, I know you all want to see Doctor Doom, but what if he was a big ball of clay this time and said, what did you think yeah. about that? That would be pretty cool. Well, especially a franchise that they've had a couple swings at and the movies have been bad. And I would argue but there's a lot of problems with them. One of the main reasons they've been bad is they didn't nail the family dynamic. All mm-hmm. the, in all the movies, it's like four strangers who are like, yeah, we're a family. And it's like, <laughs> that's not how it works. You, the whole core like promise of Fantastic Four is these people – are a family first and then they got superpowers. And so they, they use that relationship to defeat anything that comes their way. So like they need that, that first and then, and then worry about, you know, the, how famous everybody is and, and all that. We'll see what happens. This also feels like a sort of situation where Marvel might be leaking a bunch of stuff to throw some wild rumors out there so that when they eventually announce it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. You totally nailed that cast. And we were just screwing the rumor patrol people the entire time. But we will see what happens. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, the idea that the rumor rumor monger at Marvel is like, well, let's really stir up the press. Let's say something that'll get people going. I know Mila Kunis is the thing that'll get the fans. <laughs> sounds like Mad Libs. their appetite. It sounds like it, Mad Libs is what it does. Yeah, it sounds like someone had an email due, a report due, and they were like hastily here in the background typing and like ah, uh, uh, Mila Kunis, uh, the thing. Oh God, oh no, I screwed up. I messed. I messed this up. I'm doing the wrong thing. We'll see what happens. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Again, if you got any tips or, <coughs> excuse me, stories you want us to cover, email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com. Also, if you want to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comicbookclub. We do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about Marvel, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comic Book clublive.com for this podcast and many more until next time stay marvelous george clooney as dormammu hot off the presses rumor patrol 